Hi, and welcome to the Tomato Timer, a podcast about learning to learn. I'm Zubair from Xenos, and I'm tuning in live with experts from around the world, asking your questions and hearing their stories, all before the timer goes off. 24 minutes and 39 seconds to go. Good morning, everyone. Um, hopefully it's morning when, you, when you're listening to this. Uh, I'm really excited to welcome Tyler Shores to the episode today, who is a manager at the Think Lab program at the University of Cambridge. Um, he's done research in the past on reading on print, in print and on on-screens, uh, talking about digital distractions and attention spans. Um, he currently is looking at digital well-being and the role of technology in our everyday life. And in the past, he's worked at Google, at authors at Google, uh, and a manager in digital education at Stanford University. Uh, really, really cool to have you, Tyler. How are you? Good. Nice to nice to see you, and thanks for inviting me along. Absolutely. Um, I really want to kickstart this conversation and, and really dive deep during this these 25 minutes to talk about digital well-being. So maybe you could just, because there's so many interpretations and meaning out there, um, what does it mean to you uh, based on your experiences and your, your research? I mean, yeah, digital well-being, especially I'd say within the last year, has kind of um, expanded or inflated um, mm. to mean a lot of different things. Um, one of the things I'm interested in, and again, there's people are going to define well-being and digital well-being in different ways, uh, but I would say just being cognizant, being very mindful of uh, your quality of screen time um, as opposed to quantity is one of the things and then really especially now I mean my own understanding of digital well-being has shifted quite a bit since lockdown mm-hmm. in the past almost a year or so where not that long ago we were talking about screen time in terms of absolute quantity in terms mm-hmm. of you know it's like is it bad for us to be spending all these minutes and hours online but now it's a question of quality so it's not a question of like how much time we're spending on screens, which is kind of unavoidable in some ways, but now it's like, how do we make the most of the time we are spending online? Yeah, um, and literally picking that up, you know, thinking about all the students who are, who are now, you know, their school is online um, and they have to, so how do we start to kind of compare or kind of quantify the differences between when they're online to study and be engaged with like in a classroom or to be online on social media and online to be interacting on a social perspective. So it's all coming, getting mixed together. Our lives are so much more on screen. Um, so maybe th- that that's a really kind of important kind of point to pick up on. Um, now that we are at home, sometimes some of us aren't around our family members and we need to be engaging and even for our own kind of mental health and well-being, we need to be interacting with human beings and digital is the only way to go. Um, how do we balance this all? I think one thing to keep in mind is that it's uh, our habits and behaviors have changed online, but it's also some behaviors I think have become amplified more since uh, lockdown and because we're spending so much more time online. I was just talking to a colleague of mine about that. We were talking about Zoom fatigue, which some people Mm -hmm. might be familiar with. And this is the idea of when we're doing this kind of uh, video and having to be engaged and fe- being present and you know being aware of ourselves being in the spotlight so often um, it's tiring it's tiring for a lot of reasons uh, some of our research gets into digital distractions and multitasking behavior uh, yeah. so we know multitasking behavior for the most part and we kind of all do it um, like I've been actually kind of wondering whether for myself or other people 
Um, our habits starting to slip are, are kind of, uh, you know, like our digital etiquette a little bit um, because we're starting to get used to things um, becoming a little more, um, I don't know, what's the what, what, what's the word to describe it? Um, yeah, just uh, like we're maybe we're more prone to multitasking. I've done it. Like I fully admit in terms yeah. of like long meetings that are an hour and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. How's my post doing on Twitter or LinkedIn or these sort of things? Um, yeah. That contributes to the fatigue. So it's also like it is a question of like um, being a little bit mindful of some of those behaviors and like, you know, do I have to check this right now since we can't meet face to face? I certainly would never do that face to face if we were yeah. uh, talking together. But um, yeah, it happens. It happens to all of us. So it's not like a good thing or a bad thing so much as just something to be aware of. It's, it's so true. Um, we're so often like, and I, I actually have a really strong feeling about it when I'm speaking to someone and I can tell um, that it isn't uh, a conversation where I'm getting their full focus on. I, I kind of like veer off and often end the call or end the conversation earlier than, than needed to be, um, which is probably not the right way to approach it. There's There's so many other things that are going on. Um, but how, how do we deal with it? Because the other aspect of it is that we're also looking at kind of like, I don't know what percent of my body is visible on screen right now. Um, sometimes I can use my hand gestures, which I'm trying to <laughs> exemplify right now. Um, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes my voice is carrying, sometimes it doesn't. There's so many uh, kind of physical attributes that we're changing about ourselves. We're being more expressive sometimes by, by using our facial features more to be able to explain what we're feeling at that moment. And it is tiring i after i have to say after like fewer meetings i can get more tired online than actually going out and being around people um had again i'm i'm just kind of raising points that i don't really have a question but like i just want to hear your thoughts on this as well yeah no i i think that's a, a common experience for a lot of us um i know for example, I feel like it just takes a little more cognitive overhead to, you know, be present online to actually think through things. If you if you've ever, you know, uh, had to present in a meeting or talk or uh, you know been part of a group, um, there's a little bit of the ambiguity, right? If people don't have their cameras turned on, um, at least mm -hmm. I feel it. And I was like, oh, um, you know, if I if, if if I try to make a joke and then I get no reaction from a crowd, <laughs> I was like, that either means I'm not funny or it means like nobody's really paying attention. So we kind of feed off of those, those, those small little moments of social interaction too. Um, yeah. So we're missing some of those things. And then to the point you had about uh, kind of like feeling less engaged, like it is a two-way street. So I was thinking um, it was Sherry Turkle who's at MIT. She uh, had an interesting study that she'd done a little while ago, but it was just the idea that like for in-person uh, interactions, just having the phone, the device visible within arm's reach, say on a table or something, was enough to kind of stymie some conversational depth. And the thinking behind that is that just the mere presence of like, oh, uh, I don't want to get into a long story because you might check your phone or uh, you might be half paying attention anyways. And so the idea is that I was like, well, like, you know, on some level, I'm realizing you could pick that up and like, you know, disengage at any moment. I don't have your full attention. Um, translating that to the online context, we're all kind of like that at some point. I kind of wonder, like at any second, you might do the, uh, you know, the eyeball flit and it's like, you know, what am I checking yeah right now and like that sort of thing it's like oh i've already lost him okay i'll wrap things up in that so yeah. that's tough that's like you know something for us to think about as listeners and to speakers um it is it is what it is it's probably not going to change 
anytime soon, but I just wonder, like, I feel like we're all in this giant social experiment right now where we're yeah. all thrown into online stuff and it's kind of changing as we go. Yeah. I, I want to like, obviously right now is an even more kind of <laughs> extraordinary time. Um, but in general, we've been like social media uh, has been um, such a big part of, of discussions about mental health and well-being especially for young people, even the past like five-ish years, you know, it's, it's really getting the momentum. It, it truly deserves with, with the impact it's having. Um, and maybe I want to, I want to know both sides of things, um, like the pre and post uh, world that we've lived in. And your research was already on social media and, and how it, it affected young people. So what did you find and how, how is it, how do you see the world transforming or transpiring into as as it as it continues to be present even more in our lives yeah let's see um it definitely has changed my research has kind of changed and shifted focus a little bit over the past uh, you know, year or so. Uh, one of the main things I'm interested in, in addition to social media, is also our reading habits. And reading means a number yeah. of different things: reading books, reading articles. Um, I can say, like, you know, just from some of the research I've done and looking at what's become in the field, that uh, it feels like we're getting more distractible um, in terms of. And again, this depends. I almost feel like we need a taxonomy of like what counts as distractions and these yeah. sort of things. That there's a difference between like looking at the th at the phone just to see if there's any notifications. That's like a light distraction in my mind, as opposed to looking, checking, and then getting sucked in. That's a longer distraction. Um, I would say anecdotally, I've seen stuff, um, I can't remember the study off the top of my head, but screen time and check-ins were up, um, you know, over 100%. Uh, so they doubled uh, uh, during COVID, which makes sense when you think about it, because we're all kind of scared and all sort of uh, like looking for news um, during all of that. So there was a little bit of that. Um, sense of like, we, we need to check things more. Um, so the external circumstances and how we respond to them were a big factor. Uh, during the election uh, day stuff in the US where, uh, you know, that was a day by day thing. Um, I fully admit my, my uh, phone check-ins probably went up a thousand percent that week because that was just me like refreshing and refreshing and refreshing the news things in terms of, uh, you know, U.S. state elections and poll results and all of this. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that that was, you know, kind of part of it. We've seen I've seen huge spikes in my own behavior. I use screen time and I use the uh, in the moment app on uh, iOS devices just to see to give myself a baseline. Um, and I think that's a good just quick tip for anyone that's listening to this now and is kind of curious, like forget what the numbers are necessarily. Everyone's mileage is going to uh, differ, but just like having a good sense, try it for a week to actually see like what's a what's an average number of times that you check your phone, average number of times you check into a specific app uh, during you know different moments of the day and just getting a sense of what your everyday habits are like. I feel like that's a good step. And then just deciding for yourself, forget what I say or what some news article says, like, you know, what's considered a healthy amount of time for you. If it's, um, you know, I spend 30 minutes on the news and social media first thing in the morning and actually feel really stressed out when I do that, that can be a good example of like, okay, this doesn't seem to be working for me. Could I tweak my routine a little bit? So, um, I guess what I'm suggesting in all of this is that, um, we should all kind of be self-scientists 
in the sense that it was like, yeah, so we're all kind of um, like, you know, experimenting on ourselves a little bit, collecting some data and seeing uh, like, you know, what actually works, what isn't working and what could we maybe do about some of these things? You know, Tyler, this is so powerful. And it, it, it gives me, takes me back right to the beginning of the conversation where you, where you said mindfulness. And it's, it's so much more about being aware of what we're doing than actually being pushed down by, well, more social media articles telling us that, hey, you should be spending X amount of time on on this or that. Um, so it's it's like, I'm just listening to you and I'm like, you know, things are just starting to click together. Yes, that makes so much sense. For someone whose job it is to, to do a certain task online or be present, you just can't put them on the same scale and, you know, compare them. Um, it's, it's so much, it's, it's, and it's again, there's that like pressure and then, I guess this is this existed on the schoolyard, you know, peer pressure. Now we're feeling it through through social media, and I mean, in both the on the in the well-being sense, where people are posting about you know being healthy or being out there, being uh, active or traveling or reading. You know, you you still get posts and notifications. You know, LinkedIn is a great place for that. You know, you every so often you'll find, oh, my friend is now in a new job and doing this or that, uh, and you're feeling a little bit fear of missing out. You're feeling a little bit. Um, you know, like you're not good enough. You're losing self-esteem. I'm kind of like uh, kind of mixing everything up in my in my kind of <laughs> rambling as well. Um, I guess my my what I'm what I'm trying to get to is where do what do we do as as young people? And again, the, this isn't uh, it, it, it's like I'm going to say with a with a pinch of salt to say that hey, this isn't like concrete advice that's only going to work for you or not. Um, but like, what are things that you you've seen or experiences that you've been through um, that can help maybe guide us uh, to be more mindful about our practice, not just online, but, but our kind of overall day to day life? Because it it is it is so deeply interconnected, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, like, I'll I'll share actually right now for people that. Um, uh, are- Hopefully we can share this online later uh, on YouTube, but I did a blog post where I talked about just some like five quick tips on managing our digital distractions. And these are just easy things that anyone could kind of uh, do right after listening to this. Um, Simple stuff like kind of just keeping your devices a little bit out of sight, out of mind can actually make a difference. But building in quiet time, too, I think is really important. I've been thinking about this more, both for my research and writing and uh, teaching purposes, but wasn't that that long ago when news wasn't omnipresent, um, uh, like with the advent of CNN, and we're talking about the 90s at this point, which kind of shows how old I am, but like the 24-hour news cycle is a relatively new invention, like for a mm. lot of us, um, in the sense that most news nowadays isn't new news. It's just kind of like pushing it out there in terms of uh, like there used to be a time, for example, where the news was in the morning and then the evening. And that's when people would do their news consumption and maybe a newspaper on the side. Now that's totally become anytime, any place. Um, and that's good and bad. Like we like that sense of being connected, but um, I would say just be mindful of some of these things. And this applies to a lot of stuff actually, but building in the quiet non-digital times can be really good for us. I would even say schedule some of these things, like schedule in some quiet time and just see if that makes a difference. Um, I'm still, um, I've been a, you know, kind of a, a big book reader, bookworm kind of person forever. And I remember specifically when I used to work in the tech industry and Google, I felt my, uh, my, my leisure reading time going down like this. And uh, yeah, it's because I was spending more on time 
more time online. It was actually making me feel less good. Uh, it's sort of, uh, at least for me, this is a, a personal anecdote more than anything else, yeah. but I felt like something was missing and I was missing the pleasure of just being able to unwind a little bit and to actually be able to like lose yourself in a good book. So um, that's like a, a mini tip, I guess, in terms of people, if anyone out there listening is concerned about, um, oh, my attention span and I can't for the life of me, like, you know, focus on one task for more than a couple of minutes, um, you know, reading or audiobooks or whatever form doesn't matter what you read just read something and like let yourself just kind of get lost and immersed into something can be a really good thing i think it's a very relaxing um experience at least right now which we kind of need yeah yeah uh, i i um again personal anecdote but i've i've had to start doing this for myself as well i found especially during these past few few months where i've where i've been at home all day that it's feeling like I have more time than ever, but I'm not writing or reading or doing anything. And so what I've done actually is, again, something that I do and very personal, but it could be something relevant to, every, to others as well, is, is keep my phone away for at least an hour before I go to bed, put my alarm on, leave it on the, on the side, try to not keep it in my room, even if it's possible. Um, and just have my Kindle and read, 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 read late into the night. Um, and then in the morning as well, I try to wake up, not touch my phone until I've read um in another language actually for for over 30 minutes 40 minutes and then actually look at notification and stuff because as soon as you open your phone it can affect your day so much you know whether it's a it's a good notification or bad someone who's messaged you back or not um whether it's good news or not and it's it can like from the get-go you're i don't know if you've uh, done any research or or have any because i i know of, of a piece of kind of thing that i read a while back but our brains are most kind of uh like, like a foam, like ready to absorb really cool, new and interesting stuff right at the start when when we're fresh out of deep REM, REM cycles of sleep. Um, and and that, that, that piece of kind of information stuck with me. I, I can't find the exact details, but like it made so much sense to then be kind of making that those initial moments almost meditative and almost um, being aware of everything around us as we as we start the day. I think so. Yeah. I think um, if there is like, you know, maybe one small piece of advice that sounds small, but that's actually really big um, that I've learned over the years is that um, it is exactly that. Like, you know, our mornings, um, the advice was basically do reactive work later, do your own you know, self-focused creative work first, whatever that means. For some of us, that might mean reading. For some of us, that might mean writing. And the idea behind that, there's a couple of reasons why this makes a lot of sense, is that, so reactive stuff would be like checking your emails, checking your notifications and these sort of things. Um, I really recommend it. And, you know, it's easier said than done. It might take a little while to actually break this kind of ingrained habit, but try it and see if it makes a difference. Like when you're not fully awake, if like the first thing you do in the morning is pick up your phone and check it and you see some stressful thing or like, oh crap, I have to reply to this email, but I'm not awake enough to reply to the email yet. Um, that's kind of a lose-lose situation because you're stressed out right off the bat. You're thinking about these sort of things and you're sacrificing your, you know, your morning routine time. So um, even for people that aren't necessarily a morning person, I'm not really a morning person, um, but like, you know, kind of like letting yourself like ease into the morning and have your own thoughts. Cause for a lot of people, we are fresher and our heads aren't necessarily cluttered. Um, uh, it's worth trying. And I have a few 
ideas, like practical tips. But like you mentioned, those are really good ones too. Is like, don't put the phone, like, you know, put your device anywhere, not within arm's reach or wherever you are. Um, the vast majority of people, um, at least from my own research, like it's gotta be close to 90% at this point. The first, last thing to do at night, first thing in the morning is touch their phone in some way. Uh, and that's because like, you know, the alarm clock app ends up being a bit of a gateway uh, drug gateway app uh, in this sense, because it's like, oh, I have to check my alarm or I have to set off my alarm. And then immediately that becomes like, oh, there's a notification. Let me just check this. And then five or 10 or 15 minutes goes by uh, during that. So it's a temptation thing. So um, in a practical sense, uh, use an alarm clock, like an actual alarm clock that's on a phone. <laughs> see if that makes a difference for your morning routine. Um, I do. Uh, it, it, it does help because uh, it removes that temptation of actually like, you know, having the phone really close by. So I'd recommend that for just about everyone. Yeah, simple, but really, really powerful. I found uh, similar. I found it be such a big, make such a big impact on my day to day, um, even like emotional well being. You know, when I, how I feel like when I get up, sometimes I just, I feel so much. Like weather is a big thing for me. So when I look up and I don't see the sun, it's like, oh man, this is gonna be another cloudy Cambridge day. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> but this is a big part of it as well. Um, there's another kind of facet I wanted to explore with you, Tyler, which is about reading and writing um well more reading i think and that it was a big thing that you were doing back at google as well um we are probably reading more than ever before you know if we consider chat messages to be reading and and uh youtube comments to be reading as well yes. but at the same time we probably aren't reading you know habits of like reading you know proper spine books and stuff like that is, is also dying out so what i guess i just want to like kind of give you that as a prompt to talk about like reading and our habits that have been transforming. Yeah. I mean, that's a complicated one. I'll, I'll kind of give like a, a few overview things in yeah. that. Yeah. It does feel like uh, book reading, um, like since the pandemic, there's signs that our book reading has gone up um, mm -hmm. in the sense that we have been kind of turning away from news a little bit or having digital fatigue. So print reading in particular might be on the rise. Um, I feel it too. I have my Kindle and I use my Kindle for leisure reading for a lot of it, but sometimes um, I just think better in print, I guess, in terms of like, sometimes I just want to break from screens and yeah. uh, for me, paper books are the best way to do it. The attention span question in reading is very interesting too, because by that logic, and this is what we've been thinking about for several years, is that if our attention spans are getting shorter and we're not liking books as much, shouldn't books be getting shorter? Shouldn't short stories be becoming like the dominant genre and these sort of things? And it hasn't been the case. There's still five, six, seven, eight hundred page books, which are actually doing quite well. Um, so it's a weird sort of. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it, it doesn't necessarily follow these two things, but these are interesting parallel trends. It's a bit like binge watching. Binge reading almost seems like it could be its own uh, phenomenon in itself. For those of us that are really engaged with reading, we like the in-depth, immersive experience more. But um, that's a complicated one, and especially when we factor in that audiobooks are super on the rise. I like audiobooks. I, I prefer fiction audiobooks as a way to kind of pass the time or maybe listen during a walk when it is sunny out and these sort of things. So, um, yeah, you're right. Like our encounters with like, you know, text written words is certainly on the increase, but um, like we're just – are, are, we're diffusing our attention span over many different kind of textual encounters now, as opposed to like, you know, just getting lost in one book or one long article or these sort of things. Yeah. 
Uh, what was your work like at, at Google? Because it's it's kind of kind of cool to to hear from an insider, right? Like, what were you working on, and um, how has that transformed you? Because then you went on to do a PhD in education at Cambridge, and now you're working at the university. So you've come from a very startup, be very you know big big tech environment to a very academic environment. And how has that affected yes. you? Um, I would say my experience at Google did eventually like, you know, fairly directly lead to my PhD because that's when I really got interested in some of these uh, questions about like, you know, our, our digital habits, um, the way we think about work and free time. Um, I can share like when I first really noticed it was a thing was and yeah, Silicon Valley, just to give like a sense, very fast paced, um, very different than like the academic uh, you know, lifestyle and pace of things in general. But I remember, um, and I am old, I guess, but like, I remember when the first iPhone came out, um, uh, when, you know, Jobs made the announcement and everything, I yeah. feel like almost immediately the expectation changed of being uh, online and present because it used to be like emails and everything. But once you had an iPhone, it was like, well, even if you're not at your desk or whatever, like, did you get my email? Did you get my uh, text message? I sent it a minute ago. Um, that really changed. Like yeah. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that was the, the that was that ex expectation of always being on uh, was very tangible. Now it's reality for all of us. But um, yeah, I remember that. I remember that changing fairly dramatically, and I felt like the pace of life sped up on all of us. But yeah. um, you know, that being said, working at Google was pretty cool. Um, the fact that you get kind of get to be at the, you know, the center of the universe in terms of all things digital um, was really neat. And um, it's fast paced and it required a lot of, um, uh, it, it's a bubble, I, I guess is the best way to see it, both in a good way and a bad way. Cambridge is a bubble. All universities are a bubble, but like, you know, Silicon Valley was a bubble in itself that what I mean by that is certain like tech behaviors and things and like being able to try the newest apps and the newest hardware and these sort of things felt like, uh, just like what everybody did. Um, yeah, uh, that could be a whole nother talk talking about working yeah. in the tech industry and Google. <laughs> I know, it, it, and we have got to the end of our episode. Um, maybe we should get you back and talk about tech, uh, tech startups, and and how you transform sure. from a techie to an academic person. Um, but we are at the end, and before we go, though, I, I really wanted to because you've given us some. We've talked a lot about kind of more holistically, but also given some very granular and more practical tips like you know keeping your phone away just being self-scientists about how we how we monitor our behavior online um being patient with ourselves and being careful like you know not pressurizing us to feel like we need to be um you know exercising three times a day and and, and going out for two hour long walks every yeah so we we can we can be a bit more uh okay with ourselves um but before we go i wanted to get like a, a final piece of advice from you or something that kind of condenses your research, your your experiences at, at, in in industry and what your research, what you're looking at right now um, into something that might be something useful for students. Yeah, let's see. Um, as a, it, This is really meant as a general piece of advice, but I think it's very valuable to think about. Um, like with teaching, with research and all the things that I do, I often talk about digital productivity and digital well-being together. And they absolutely are 
like, you know, together. Like you need to have the wall being part in order to be productive. Like it's not one without the other. So I just want to make sure that we talk about productivity and these sort of things that also includes taking breaks. That also means taking care of yourself. So you're not kind of just like burning yourself out and all of that. So um, that would be my advice. Like, you know, think about these two things as like a one same piece. The idea that, yeah, uh, even the well-being stuff actually should come first at this point. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to be able to kind of like, you know, maybe even taking it easy on ourselves, feeling guilty about, I was like, why am I not getting more done? Um, like, you know, when I have all this free time, because it's hard, everything's really hard right now. So prioritizing well-being and how we actually feel and making sure we're okay um, will lead to the productivity part. So that's a general closing thought. Amazing. I love it. Productivity and well-being together. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Tyler. It's been really, really cool to have you, and hopefully we'll have you again sometime. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. Nice thank to chat. Have a great day. And that's another episode of the Tomato Timer. If you'd like to ask your questions and join us live next week, join the Xenos Discord server. The invite link is in the description. And to learn more about Xenos and how a bunch of students are on a mission of making quality education accessible to all, go to xenos.org. Bye for now.